Right, hello and welcome to episode 105. Uh, this is Josh with Together BHA. Um, I planned on doing uh, two different podcasts this week, but some of the stat websites were not as quick as I wanted them to be on Wednesday. So today is a double header, uh, Fulham and Sheffield United. Uh, two games that I think we all expected a bit better um, than what we got, but it is what it is. Uh, we will be unpacking that and, and a fair bit of other stuff that's gone on behind the scenes as well. Uh, with a certain Australian number one. Um, so with me today is Marty Webb, a uh, previous guest uh, from a couple of different episodes, actually. Um, how's it going? It's going well. I think this is my third time back. I think it is your third time. I think nice. it is. Um, we were just discussing uh, at the time of recording, Bruno Fernandes has just scored the third goal uh, for Manchester United against Leeds. And we both have him as captain in Fantasy Premier League. So thank you, Bruno, uh, for doing that because I, I did not captain Salah this week. Surprising against such a big team like Leeds. Yeah, you. I, like, I can't believe that they're not, you know, dismantling them. Um, you would think that it would be a comfortable dub. But here we are. All right, cool. So first things first, uh, before the midweek game began, um, I think everybody probably agreed that we were probably hoping for four or more points from these two games. Um, would you agree with that assessment with with Fulham and Sheffield United, two games with teams below us? Uh, we were hoping for four or more um, to kind of get ourselves away from this relegation battle. Yeah, I thought you could trip forward into four points. It would have been nice to to look for six, but trying to be you know reasonable and not just completely optimist. I expected four. Agreed. Um, like you get a point away from home, and you're like, all right, like get a draw away and win at home, and and we're on a good way. Um, Sheffield United threatened Manchester United in the in the midweek uh, for getting some kind of result before they were thoroughly outclassed as the game went on. Um, but at the same time as that was going on, uh, there was big moves um, for the Fulham full Brighton game, and and the main talking point before the game even started was the the goalkeeper uh, decision that Graham Potter has made. Um, Sanchez came back in after his first debut appearance at Spurs. Uh, he hadn't been seen on the bench uh, even ever since, which was a little weird. Um, what did you make of make of the starting lineup? Uh, when you took a look at it, no Mopai, uh, well back in, Trossard back, um, Sanchez, obviously the, the big talking point. What was it when you looked at that? Did you feel confident, surprised? I wasn't too concerned with who we put out there. Sanchez in particular, I I love Matty Ryan, but, but I'm not fearful, even with Fulham kind of finding form, of Sanchez losing it for us, you know, which I think the concern for a backup keeper. The thing that I was a little let off by was it felt like we didn't go for it because we knew we were playing Fulham and we're just not in a position to be able to do that. You know, if 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 Salah doesn't start against Fulham, it makes sense. They're going to allow him to get some rest because they think they can handle him. I wasn't totally confident of us handling them. So it was kind of a let off to not see Mope out there. So it was kind of, it, it felt like it was going to end up being a draw. Like it, it felt like that's what we were playing for instead of the three points. 
Yeah, we, we kind of matched up with them almost like for like as well, both going for that 3-4-2-1 thing uh, with Lalana playing a little bit further up and Alzate mainly being another big inclusion in the squad. We hadn't seen him in the starting 11 for quite some time. Um, what, do you, what did you make of, of Alzate coming back into the team? Did you think he was effective? or Because for me, he almost felt like a bit of a passenger for a lot of it. It didn't stand out throughout the entire match. He didn't feel like he was demanding the kind of attention that Basuma does regularly. And, and, and that's fine. I don't, I don't think he, you know, he didn't make any critical mistakes. I don't think it's been days now and time is an illusion. So I don't remember him sticking out really at all, but it did feel like he was very on the ball and then off the ball immediately. He didn't, whether they were playing like that intentionally or whether he was being marked a particular way, he didn't seem comfortable on the ball because he wasn't on it very often. It was immediately dished out. And maybe that's, you know, that was us playing on the wings consistently, but yeah, he didn't feel very involved at all. Yeah. It was strange, wasn't it? I think you nailed it. I felt the same way. It was almost like he was in Basuma's shadow. Um, Every like like that kind of thing like everything you can do I can do better. It felt, yeah. it felt a little bit like whatever Alzate did, Basuma did it better. He distributed it better. He tackled better. He just did everything um, more effectively. And I wonder if to me, I also felt that Lalana didn't look as comfortable in that kind of front three role that we moved him into, um, as opposed to you know that kind of role that he has beside Basuma. Um, that he had today against Sheffield United. Not that I thought he played very well, but it almost felt like we were just entirely reliant on Welbeck making a run for for you know for us to to have some kind of opportunity. Yeah, I thought Lulana played okay up top, but it was pretty clear that we were targeting their right side defense, our left side offense. Because Lamptey and Lalana, whether they don't have the chemistry or it just wasn't being forced on that side, it was it felt really quiet up until maybe when Veltman came on. Yeah, and and actually talking of of Lamptey, he really only had one one thing in the entire game, one flashpoint, and that was the really the first chance of the game. Um, we played some decent football on the outside of their box, spread it wide. Lamptey cut in, uh, kind of made a great run, um, got filled through and whipped a ball across the front of the net. Uh, Danny Welbeck, good run in the right place at the right time uh, and whiffs a tap in. Um, That was his third, I think, missed big chance uh, since getting the nod as kind of the starting striker. Um, Are we just cursed to just never score goals or... What is going on here? Or are we getting what we pay for simply? There's, there's a, I'm glad you asked me this because I kind of had a a minor spiel I wanted to get off my chest here. So I'm going to miss some here, but Ali Reza, Wellback, Trissard, March, Lalana, even. I feel like we have. All of these really cool Swiss Army Knife-like pieces, right? You can switch them either side of the field, uh, put them in the middle, put them on the side, whatever it is, they're going to make a contribution. But they are a master 
of nothing. They're not masters at sending in corners. They're not masters at finishing goals. So you end up still maintaining this very pretty, you know, almost tiki-taka style football, which is all fine and good, but you have everybody, you know, the only person that believes himself up front feels like it's, it's Mope and he's not getting the touches he needs, whether he's taking them poorly, like he did a couple today against Sheffield or, or whatever. It's just, yeah, it feels, it feels like we're going to hesitate until we die and we're down to zero. That's what it feels like every time we get everything up to the, to the box. We had 96, against Sheffield. I'm not going to jump too far ahead. 96 dangerous attacks, which means we're either in the box or right outside the box. And they came away with one goal. We're not able to pull the trigger. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. We get what we pay for is my answer to your question. Yeah. yeah I think it's, yeah, I don't want to get too far ahead to Sheffield yet. Cause there were a few extra pieces on the following game. And the thing is, is like the following game, is not as much of a talking point, not only because we've got a game fresh in our heads from this morning, but they're also, you know, barring the couple of opportunities we had, it was rather lackluster in general. Um, both teams had nine shots. Uh, you know, we kind of shared the possession. Um, shots on target were exactly even on that four and four. Um, and I believe Lewis Dunk had three of those shots on target for the Albion. Uh I know we hit the bar with Webster. Yeah. Um, it does look like we are starting to become a little bit more dangerous at set pieces um, going forward. Uh, you know, we had Dunk missing a point blank header. Um, we also had, I think Webster also hit the bar. Uh, and then, of course, the the disallowed goal from Danny Welbeck as well. I'm not sure whether that came from a uh, a corner or a free kick, but it was a it was another opportunity where you would think we should put something away, but his hand was involved. I think I think the Welbeck callback was uh, it was a cut in from March that came across, and then it bounced off the Fulham defender, came up and hit him in the arm. So I don't think it was even a set piece, if I if I remember correctly. You probably do. Um, when it comes to the players, did anybody stand out to you in that game uh, as someone that you thought, all right, like happy with that performance, um, or was it just a, a dull day at the office? Incredibly dull. I thought that it's frustrating because I, I don't want to. We know what Welbeck is, and we know what Ali Reza is, but both of their efforts in the game, despite it being a pretty flat game, they win the hustle award. Like they, they were, they were doing seemingly everything they could. And for that, you know, I commend them. I'm glad to see, I want to see my team chasing after the ball and fighting for it and pushing it forward and everything else. They just can't score. So it's probably, and kind of maybe a spoiler pick, Ali Reza, I really liked his hustle during the match. He he looked like one of the only players that was really putting in 110% out there, at least for that first half. And and, and for Fulham, uh, Lookman is a dude, man. Like he, he, he might still be raw a little bit, but every time that man touched the ball, it made me hold my breath. So Ali Razor only came on with 12 minutes to go in this game. Am I true? Okay. For Fulham. 
Did he start against Sheffield? Am I having a, a brain stroke? Am I having an aneurysm yeah. here? Yeah, you are. He didn't I, start I'm three for games fuck. ago. I'm sorry. Then it's not other <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, he then, didn't then, start for Sheffield either. He came okay, on then give, like give me well back for the minutes. hustle then, because I'm never going to get invited back to this show again. I, everything, <laughs> everything's a blur. Um, yeah, I, I like for me. I feel like we are quite often saying that Solly March is one of our best players in a game, and to me. Like there is like no disrespect meant by it, but Solly March is not a great Premier League player. So if you are the standout player in this team quite often at this point, where is everybody else on their level? Like, why are you the standout player? Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's it's not disrespectful to Solly March, but like he's not an accomplished Premier League player. If if we go down this season, there is not going to be a load of clubs lining up out the door for Solly March, like there will be for for Lewis Dunk, Ben White, Bissouma, you know what Tarek Lamptey, you know, that's it's worrying to me that I constantly look back at a game and think Solly March played really well. <laughs> and and then I wonder, well, why is he the only one that's standing out at the level he's at? It seems that they're they're determined to move the offense through him, and that's not entirely bad because he rarely he gets the ball from our back half to their final third. So I'm not too upset about it, but he does feel like a quintessential like impact sub. You know that could that could he could stay in the Premier League playing you know, 90 minutes every month and make some team really happy. But when he is running everything, and maybe that's Trissard missing time, you know, or however Graham's running it. But I agree. He stands out every match in a good way, but it's also, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be a good way. Other people should also be stepping up. Yeah, exactly. Um, Sanchez, I thought, played well. Just a couple of pretty smart saves, uh, but there was nothing kind of to write home about. He just, I think, he just had a good game um, for his kind of first game in charge uh, of, of the sticks. Um, it's just another case of uh, same shit, different day for Potter, right? He he set up a team. Uh, it did seem kind of negative. It didn't look like we were going for the win uh, a lot of the time, but but we did end up with you know Webster hitting the bar. Dunk missing a point blank header, Welbeck missing a tap in, uh, Welbeck getting a handball for a disallowed goal. It's almost like we didn't play that well, but we still had four massive opportunities to score a goal and we failed on all four of them. And it was, you know, piled on today uh, after the Sheffield United game um, when we continued to, to have that problem. So, Let's just move straight on to that one. Um, Sanchez continued in goal. Uh, it looks like he is now kind of the number one choice. Uh, Potter has made a couple of comments about, uh, you know, <clears throat> it looks like if, if if the move is right for, for Matty Ryan, it may well be the case that he goes. Um, and there's been a lot of rumors from a lot of different people, some of them pretty reliable, uh, some of them, just random usernames like John one two three four eight seven six four five seven seven on Twitter, um, all just saying that Matthew Ryan seems to be uh, suffering from homesickness. Uh, you know, 
the catalyst was the pandemic where he spent a lot of time back in Australia with his family. Um, and it seems that he's not quite been the same since. He has statistically been the worst goalkeeper in the league. Um, so it looks like Matty Ryan for now is out, possibly for good in January. If he is homesick, there's not really much to talk about, I don't think. It's just kind of, okay, like, that's the way it is. Uh, good luck. But Sanchez, after today, and Fulham and Spurs, uh, long-term, yay or nay, would you like us to try and sign a goalkeeper in the January window to replace Sanchez with? Uh, or do you think the the 19, I think he's 19-year-old uh, Spaniard is, is the answer for, you know, the next couple of seasons he's not he's 23 my bad but he's that's an insanely young for a goalkeeper anyway yeah and he's been with the club for eight years I think. yes yeah so it's he's well entrenched it's tough to make a complete judgment with him playing Fulham and, and Sheffield you know I'd like to see how he handles teams that are going to outmatch us because for the large for the large majority of our matches we keep a pretty strong defense, right? We've given up deflections. We've given up some wonder goals uh, and, and that falls at the feet of everybody. But I, I don't think that at this point, Sanchez has shown that he can't do that. The only thing that we're going to miss maybe with, with Ryan is he has experienced the relegation battle down the stretch twice yeah. now, right? So like of really tight, knowing that he needs to be the the stopper, it's going to rely on him. I, I don't want to spend on a keeper in the winter transfer window. If we're gonna if we're gonna spend any money and we focus on defense instead of offense, I'll I would be a lot more upset. <laughs> yeah, we we are we are definitely gonna get to that uh kind of the what next piece is definitely probably gonna be a big part of this podcast. Um, <laughs> so, but I agree it like, I think, you know, he's only played three games, but he's made some very good saves. He, he looks confident. Um, and it's one thing to look confident and be a disaster, but whenever he's been called to action, you know, he's, he's, he's done a good job. There was, there was not much he could do today with the goal, like the deflection basically made it impossible for him to react in time. Um, but and it looked like he reacted correctly if it weren't for the deflection. It right, like he was probably going to at least get a hand on it. Yeah, otherwise. and and he already made a superb save from that free kick from McGoldrick. Um, yeah. I thought that save was superb. The reaction save behind the wall, vision wasn't great, and he he put a strong hand to it and tipped it wide. And then I think he immediately kind of claimed the corner or across shortly after. And that was something that, however much I like Matty Ryan, it is something that he did not seem as confident with, and that was rushing out to collect a ball. And I know everybody is obsessed with Matty Ryan being too short. Um, and maybe that was a part of it, but it, it does make a difference. Doesn't it? Having a big lad like Sanchez to just come bundling through and collect a ball comfortably. Yeah. To grab it out of the air, but also on on a set piece like that, that's a save that, that Ryan could make, but is Sanchez's height, being able height, being able to see over the line, helping him too. It's got to help a little bit. It's sort of with the American football version of a short quarterback. Can you see over your offensive line to throw the ball? You might be really talented, but if you're five eight, it's going to be pretty difficult. You know, so so maybe there there's something there with the height as well. 
and and credit I think is probably deserved for Dunk because I can't imagine someone starting as a keeper having someone as valuable as Dunk to also help him drive the defense. That's got to be beneficial for his just development and and I guess poise for lack of a better term on on the pitch. Yeah, I, w- I would also put Joel Veltman into that too because he's spent you know, several years in Champions League now. He's he's an older player. He's played for Ajax for donkey's years. I think he's probably, especially at set pieces, you know, he's very much in and amongst it. I, I would bet that him and Dunk put together are, are providing a great kind of security around, around Sanchez and confidence, for sure. Starting lineup. Um, we had just a couple of changes. Uh, Tarek Lamptey out. He was injured. Uh, minor hamstring injury. Looked like we didn't want to risk him. Um, so Joel Veltman, Veltman stepped in at that right wing back role. Uh, Welbeck was out. Mopai in. Uh, Alzate out. Connolly in. Um, definitely more attacking. Uh, very similar in lineup kind of style with that that three four two one, but. Instead, we had Trossard, Mopai, and Connolly up front this time uh, with Lalana dropping back into the, the role Alzate was at. And as I said, we had we had Veltman at that, that right wing-back role. Um, thoughts on the lineup for, for the Sheffield United game, the, the changes that were necessary? Obviously, I think we all would have rather have had Lamptey start, um, but it is it seems to be a, a recurring thing at the minute <laughs> for Lamptey. He kind of runs himself to death and gets himself injured. Yeah, he, I mean, you 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 get you take that many knocks, it's gonna it's gonna add up. I th- I thought the lineup looked really really good. I, I would have liked this kind of a lineup versus a team that would have pushed the ball forward a little more. You know, it's sort of like if we had the same lineup with Sheffield United this time, or a team like uh, Newcastle that really sits on their back foot, it kind of I feel like that's where Aaron Connolly struggles the most when he's not able to break an offside trap and still have 30 yards between him and the keeper. Uh, Sheffield is not pushing very far forward. So while the lineup I really, really liked, it kind of felt in vain because it resulted in long balls really weren't, weren't there for us at all today. Yeah, I, I agree entirely, actually. I like It looked like, a Sheffield United team pretty quickly in that first 20, 30 minutes that had no interest in, in playing an attack in football. Like it was yeah. very clear that they were happy to sit back and, and hopefully hit us on a counter attack. Um, they very quickly found that they couldn't even do that. Um, so that was why they made that early change. I suspect to bring Burke on who is, you know, rapid. Yeah. Um, and was I think great today. he was, um, and I think that was the entire intention was was to have Burke come on and provide that outlet and he almost did immediately um but I, th- I i agree with you i think it was probably the wrong call uh lineup wise for for connolly i think this was a game that probably would have been better suited to you know someone like welbeck starting even uh or p- possibly even gross um starting to kind of provide that extra ball in yeah i feel like you have Lalana in the back a little bit to help the defensive side when you're against a stronger opponent. 
And to do that or kind of waste that against Sheffield feel, felt like a wrong tactical decision, which is easy to say, you know, in hindsight, because you know how the game ended. But with him or someone like Gross driving the attack, because we know it's not going to be, they're not going to let us just bomb the ball over their back line. Having someone like Milana or Gross, or if you, you sink Troussard down into that, you know, AMC spot, that would have felt like the right move. And instead, we were trying to play the counter football we would play against, uh, you know, a Chelsea. And Sheffield already had six people back before before we even bombed the ball over. It, yeah. it, it, felt, it felt like right tactic, wrong opponent. Yep. Agreed. Um, so on 41 minutes, really the main talking point of that first half, because honestly, not a great deal happened, right? Like we kind of just pressed and pressed and nothing really went on um we had what just before the red card we had seven shots uh to their two <laughs> um and one of those was that superb save from the free kick as well um but we only had two shots on target and you know they had a hundred percent shot accuracy with theirs on target uh we had five corners didn't do anything with them uh, 64 possession all over them everywhere uh Red card, uh, John Lundstrom. Uh, he was a bit of a, from like a zero to hero last year, especially in fantasy Premier League. I think he was like a 4.0 defender uh, that ended up being a, a constant starter and a midfielder. Um, so he was like an absolute hero to a lot of people uh, last year in the fantasy Premier League world. Um, the challenge that he made today on Joel Veltman for a team that are, you know, away from home with one point all season, keeping it level uh, without even looking like, you know, they're in major defensive danger other than the Mopai chance that was cleared uh, pretty much off the line. Um, what was he thinking? You're 40 minutes in and, and everything you've done, if you're Sheffield, has not worked. So maybe you know, that the, the desperation part of it, it was just an absolutely idiotic challenge. And when it happened, I thought he got him like on the shin, the way Veltman went down. And I yeah, thought, me well, too. cool. Well, now we don't have Lamptey. <laughs> and I was just like, well, this is, and then he didn't draw a card out. It had to go to VAR, which I'm okay with. It made the right call. Well, he did uh, initially. He just gave, oh, him he, a, he gave him a yellow card initially um, because I, my jaw dropped to the floor when he gave him a yellow card. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I didn't even see the card. I must have been looking away, but I thought, uh, yeah, what are we doing here? So I'm almost upset that he did it because I think it, I think we probably would have won the match had it been 11-11. I feel like we played worse. We play worse when we have an advantage. Because we had to play against literally 10 defenders. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I thought, it, you know what? It was probably Veltman's best contribution in the match. Yeah, because he he was he was missing some uh, through balls, and I don't I don't understand. I don't get why Ben White is overlapping Feltman. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. Me I don't. It happened against Fulham too, uh, a few times, and I, I I'm here for for the visually appealing nature of it. You know, it's got to be tough to defend. Uh, but Ben White's not a threat over there at all, so I it it didn't make it didn't make any sense, and and maybe that's why 
you know, it felt like Veltman played a pretty poor first half before he got subbed out. But but Ben White uh, is a defender, a midfielder stuck in a defender's body. I guess I don't mean just he it really wants like up that there. sometimes. He really wants up there. So awful challenge could have could have honestly shattered his ankle really um because although it was on the shin although it looked like it was on the shin it wasn't it was right in that kind of right in the ankle crease um and i think if veltman's foot was more kind of uh entrenched into the ground i think it could have been one of the most horrific breaks in quite some time him getting subbed out is there any word on him on there being a knock there or is it uh, no, um, I suspect it was a tactical decision, right? Like we were up to 10 men. So we decided we didn't need five at the back. We were going to go with four, uh, yeah. get those two defenders and, and just add more to the, to the firing line. Um, it was, it was a surprising substitution for me, uh, to bring on Ali Razor. Uh, I was sure that we were going to see Welbeck instead, uh, or possibly even, um, you know, Gross or, or Alzate, uh, in the middle of the park instead and kind of just move one up and add a bit more creativity. Uh, what did you think of that substitution at halftime? Other than obviously hoping he didn't have a knock. Yeah, I, I just, I disagreed with Ali Reza being the sub. I, I generally like as I wrongly attributed him to dominating a Fulham team. Um, I'm, I'm a fan of, of his play style generally, but having both Malumbi, Gross, Alzate, and McAllister on the bench, I would have, if we're going to go four in the back, I would have rather added another person in the middle to distribute because that really was where we were struggling was the distribution to the strikers. We, we seemingly couldn't get it to them enough without having to set up a corner kick first. So I thought it was the wrong decision. Um, you know, just, Easy to again, easy to say uh, from from here. But I would have liked to see a stronger in the middle, and potentially have forced some of those defenders out to actually mark somebody, because they were able to instead pack six people in the box and then this chases on the wing for the remainder of the match. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with all of that. Um, our second substitution, and I, I think I think our second substitution came. Yes, it did. Just before the chance that I was going to talk about next. The substitution was Danny Welbeck in, uh, Neil Mopai out. Now, I think that was the the worst substitution of the game, um, personally. I have absolutely no idea why Graham elected to take off Neil as opposed to Connolly um, for the Agreed. exact same reason as you were kind of talking about in the selection process. And it kind of leads to the next thing. Within minutes of Welbeck coming on, uh, I'm not even sure who it was that that put the ball to the back post. Uh, was it Solly March who crossed the ball in? Um, but Aaron Connolly was all alone at the back post, and I don't know what went through his head, uh, but he he missed an open goal um, that was as as simple a tap in with a header that you'll see all day, um, and and he missed it and. The only thing I could think of is Mopai wouldn't have missed that in a million years, or would have had the wherewithal to to duck and let Welbeck take the take the shot. Yeah, um, because although I don't, both, although I don't think he'd have ducked. He's such a selfish striker. I think that, Mopai, that, I think Mopai's yeah. taking it all day. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, I think 
to to kind of talk about Welbeck just for a second. Very frequently, it feels like he's stacked on one of our other strikers. If there's more than one out there, um, it feels like they're. And that was a perfect example of it, where he's running right into Connolly's path, or vice versa, or Mope. You know, it, it feels like his awareness up top when there's someone with him is really um, when the ball's coming towards him seems to be pretty poor. He handles the ball well. We know he can't finish very well, but it does seem like he's got a, a vision problem, as it were. Yeah, he did. He does. It does seem like he makes an awful lot of the same runs um, as Aaron Connolly. And against Liverpool, it worked really well because having to defend two of them making such yeah. similar runs, like it was just a shit show for Liverpool to deal with. But for a team that aren't having to defend runs because they have every single player in their 18-yard box, that's like it's kind of a waste of time. Yeah, instead we're trying to Congo line through ten defenders <laughs> together. Yeah, like it was baffling. Just, <laughs> yeah, I thought if Welbeck came on for Connolly, I think it might be the same result. But yeah, I, I feel better about that sub giving us a better chance to win. Agreed. Um, so you know we had one opportunity in that first half for uh, Neil Mopai. Took a shot. It was beautiful. Going straight into the bottom corner and it was cleared uh, off the line by the defender, which was superb defending, to be fair to them. Um, but other than that, you know, the shots that stand out, we had 21 shots today. <laughs> 21 shots, uh, only five of them on target. And Adam Webster had two of them. Two really good ones. They, yeah, were, yeah. they were two really good ones. But... To me, how are you? How is it that we have twenty-one shots on on goal, and I can only think of four or five? You know what I mean? Like, what is like what is going on here? Um, I know a lot of them were blocked; eight were blocked, but eight of them were also off target. So, yeah, I think I think it's clear that we're getting better at taking corners, which is not a bad thing. And maybe that, that, that pads the, the attempt stat a little bit, because even very early on, I think you'll remember Trissard on the right side of the net uh, kicked it in and he really didn't have a chance. He was well marked, but you're, you're fighting for the corner because we had four corners within like the first 10 minutes. It was just bang, bang, bang. Yep. So I'd rather see them shoot than not knowing uh, what this team went through last year at this time and what they seemingly do uh, in, in other matches as well. It really feels like we've got two different. I don't know if they need their eyes checked. You know, it feels <laughs> like it's, it feels like since the man U game that uh, we haven't been able to put balls regularly on that. Um, and it's in, in to cross to, to the American audience, the yips is something where a catcher will typically get the yips and all of a sudden they just, they mess up throwing back to the pitcher and like it, it's something mental and it gets in their head. And I feel like Troussard has got the yips. Like, I, I don't know what else, what else to explain it because he's just, 
he's trying the same shots that otherwise he'd be all over the net and the keeper would actually have to move. And he's just Dale Stevens. He's, he's just, he's, yeah, he's dragging him wide. Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> dragging him wide or, or, you know, or we're skying balls for other people too. It, it feels, it really feels like we just forgot. We forgot how to put the ball in the net. And, and I don't know if early on in the season when we were having a little bit more success, if that was always the case and instead we were drawing penalties in the box. So it sort of padded, you know, it, it didn't, it didn't sound the alarms early enough, but we just, we can't, we hesitate every time, you know, how many times have, has, have Troussard March, even Zakiri uh, did it a little bit today. Um, so I'm wondering if it's a tactical decision where they get past the box, right? Where they're 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 in deep on the left side, and they wait and wait and wait and wait before they cross. And meanwhile, Connolly and Mope or Welbeck are trying to make a run, and they're just like they're just they look like a, they look like a, someone driving a manual for the first time, and they're stalling out at the back line because the ball's just not getting sent in. Um, yeah, there were a couple of times today I was just like throwing my hands in the air yeah, yeah, in frustration. I, like, why? Why are you not putting that in earlier? Yeah, it's gone from me yelling shoot uh, to cross. <laughs> just to either or. Like, yeah, <laughs> just anything, please. And now, you know, the 21 goal attempts or 21 shot attempts, we're pulling the trigger. We're just, we're, we're, we're not waiting for even, you know, a clear, a clear opportunity. There, there or, was, or it feels like we're doing it too late, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I feel, I feel like it's a couple of times now where I've thought, oh, he should have took that shot two steps earlier, but we never, we never are. We're taking two extra. Well, and that that Mope miss that you brought out, uh, where they cut back, um, was beautiful, and the lane was there. Most of the time, that lane is not there, and we still try that attempt because we're taking so long to get deeper to that back line and deeper into the box before we send that pass in. Um, and, and, it, and, and it's all for not, you know, that's like Lolana's got a lot of nice touches on the outside of the penalty area, but it always ends up being a touch touch right into a defender. Who's got everything marked down because we're, we're trying to play, you know, we're, we're not trying to get balls in nets. We're trying to get the ball in the box before we even kick it. And we're, we're getting, we're getting pressed out. You know, I don't, I don't know. I'm not the the smartest tactical person when it comes to to soccer or to football at all. So correct me, but like, it feels like we're getting pressed and marked as soon as we get in the box and they do it because they know we can't do anything because we just panic and start passing it. We give it back to dunk and try it all over again. Yeah. Yeah. Rian Brusa got substituted off uh, for Jaden Bogle, uh, which ended up being a pretty major moment because Jaden then went on to score 10 minutes later. Rian Brewster, uh, I think he was sold to them from Liverpool for about 20 odd million in the summer. Uh, he has made four appearances, uh, six substitute appearances. He has played 405 total minutes and scored zero goals. Is he the worst signing ever this season? I would say he is. He sounds like Brighton. Brighton's next signing. <laughs> <laughs> he has just been so, like I forgot he was playing today. Yeah, when they subbed him out, I didn't realize he was even on the pitch. He just he was a non-factor at all. McGoldrick dominated any any of the 
the attacks moving forward. And then later with, with uh, Burke was all over it too. Yeah. Yeah. It was he, just yeah, so Brewster, bad. Brewster was a, a non-factor. Jaden Bogle scores a counter-attack. McGoldrick squares it. Jaden Bogle hits it. Horrible deflection uh, to go 1-0 up. That substitution we were just talking about, Mopai for Welbeck immediately made. Um, and it took us, well, I guess another 10 minutes after that, Zakiri came on for Ben White, who obviously had a nosebleed from constantly running forward. He was far too high. Um, took us <laughs> 30 minutes uh, after that to score another goal. Uh, in the game and that was Danny Welbeck uh, took it very well I thought but more importantly it was a goal from a set piece yes I think yes. It was our first goal from a set piece this year um, I do think in the last couple of games now I don't know whether it is because it's Fulham and Sheffield United but it does feel like we have gotten better at creating chances and defending chances from set pieces in the last two games it, it seems like both Dunk and Webster are running more aggressively into the box, which is good to see. But it's also the the goal to Welbeck was intentional. Uh, you know what? Actually, I think I think it might have come off. It might have come off of Sheffield, the back of the head of like Ogon or something, uh, whatever his name was. But it was intentional to get it down to him. So it's it's nice to see they're you know they've got at least more than one trick right they're not just trying to have Webster or Dunk or whoever send it straight into the net they're also trying to get it down and onto a foot and it just happened to fall perfectly for Welbeck and and honestly I have expected him to <laughs> I have expected him to sky it somehow just you know or hit the keeper right in the head with our luck. <laughs> and speaking of our luck, uh, the equalizer was well-deserved. You know, we had done everything that we could possibly do other than put the ball in the net. Uh, for the last seven minutes of the game, uh, it was an effort, almost an exercise in frustration for the most part. Um, Sheffield United got the ball down our end, played it into the corner a little bit, won a couple of set pieces. Um, but we finally did get the ball back up there with about two minutes to go. Um, and the goal mouse scramble ensued uh, where... Alareza Yahambach was two yards out um, and proceeded to head the ball onto the bar. Um, does, to me, that almost summarizes our entire season in one moment. Um, two, <laughs> two yards out seems generous. It really was probably, it was a matter of feet. Um, it felt, it felt like he was, uh, yeah, it, it, it is the season, right? That's it. This, this is our season. Um, people in the right places and unable to finish. It was just insane. 1-1 uh, draw, uh, playing against the team with 10 men for almost an hour. Um, we had a better expected goals. I know I texted you this earlier. Um, we had a better XG. Uh, and I know people say, you know, stats on XG. Uh, some people like it. Some people hate it. But we had a better XG today than Liverpool had yesterday. Um, and they scored seven past Palace. So the big question for you, I have a lot of questions, actually. Um, first of all, uh, Aaron Connolly, do you think he should go out on loan in January? Ooh. Um, to let the listener know, I didn't get prepped these questions, and this feels like an extremely difficult one. <laughs> God, you know, he 
He finished last season with three goals, right? I think so. And it was because he scored was, against Burnley and he scored two v Spurs. So yeah, and, I can't and two v Spurs was his debut. So yeah. he was he was uh, completely silent. Otherwise, he offers so much. Um, if we bring in God, that's such a. If we don't bring anybody in, uh, yes, send them on loan, and uh, why not recall Kyle Karras? Here's a bigger question. The rumor is, uh, not so much rumor, I think it's been pretty much confirmed by Brian Owen at the Argus, uh, that Glenn Murray is coming back from Watford. Now, here's the other bit. Watford have just sacked their manager again. Uh, it's a bit, took them a bit, little bit of a while, to be fair, since the season started. Um, it's December already, and they only just sacked their first manager. So yeah, they're behind pace. <laughs> they're way behind. Um, but the manager hadn't used him at all. Um, they have an overload of of average strikers. You know, Troy Deeney, Gray, Perich, or Pevich, or whatever his name is, um, Pedro. It seemed like a strange loan in the first place because after the transfer window closed, none of them had left. Whereas I think we all assumed, you know, Troy Deeney, possibly uh, Saar were, were going to leave and they didn't. So it looks like Glenn Murray might be coming back. Would you, do you think he has a part to play in the second half of the season? I think... All right, I'm 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 going to answer this question with another question. Do I think we can get what Connolly offers out of the people on the roster? So when we need to to play the long ball, do we have the players to do it? I think yes. Um, between Mope, Trissard, and March, in terms of speed up top, even Welbeck, honestly, yeah, yeah. Welbeck's fast and he's rapid too, and and all of them are at least equal, maybe better in terms of actually threatening to score goals. So I think that role, that fast break role, can be filled. I think Murray has a spot because we know he can he can find the back of the net, which we need so desperately. Specifically, if we're going to keep playing keep playing ball like this where we have 73% of possession, that's a lot of time for him to sit in that box and find a spot that no one else is at and find and get the goal in that he, you know, if he's in Connolly's spot, of course, you know, this is, this is revisionist of me, but you know, if he's in Connolly's spot, that header's going in as well. If he's uh, in Ali Reza's spot, that's going in. Those are the exact spots that, that it seems like he scored so naturally on. Um, so I think he has a lot to offer, especially if you want to have Welbeck still hustle his butt off and get back where he's connecting the midfield to the attack, like he's already kind of doing on the winger side, him and Murray playing together might actually be pretty decent. I, I'm for, I'm, if we're not going to spend any money, right. If we're going to, if we're going to keep all the pennies in our pocket here, then why not bring back at least a known entity, not to start every match because he can't anymore. And, and, he won't be able to run 90 minutes every match either, but he still offers something. I think it's worth having him of the nine subs possible. Especially you know? in games like this, like you were saying, like when you're going to be the attacking team and there's not that requirement to go back to front so quickly. Yeah. Yeah, where they're just not going to allow it. 
if you're not going to allow it, then let other people drop back into the channels. Let Lolana sit back and find Murray to to knock it in and and to make his job that much easier. It, yeah, that game was crying out for for someone like that today. Um, that's you know, why I brought up Zeke. The, that's why I thought they I thought they did a, a a disservice to Zakiri putting him on the wing immediately because the wing was not an issue. The issue was getting it off the wing. Like instead, you're just choosing a different person to have the same problem, which is them easily defending out like that. Yeah. If he had been in the and and honestly, this is uh, kind of just a joking note. It was so weird seeing a left winger uh, be that tall <laughs> because, <laughs> because he looked massive on the screen after seeing Trissard or if it was Ali Razor running on the left side or March March, on the yeah. left. Yeah, it was just like he felt massive up there. He was huge. What a lad. So the also the rumor is, of course, that we are getting uh, Jacob Moda. Uh, that is fully um, confirmed from, uh, I'm not sure who he's with, someone in the Polish league. Uh, he is coming back to the Albion. Um, plays, a, I think he's more of a dynamic kind of box-to-box midfielder. Um, to me, I suspect he might be uh, what Potter wanted Alzate and Proper to be. Um if that's the case, I think Davey might leave. Um, oh, and to give my two cents, I'm very happy to have Murray back. I think that he's been wasted at Watford. I think it's the right call. And I would like Connolly to go out unknown in his stead, go to a championship team and, and score some goals and, and sort himself out and see if he's cut out for the championship level um, because we may well need him next year <laughs> to do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Truly, or or a situation like you know Ben White, where you have a team that does get promoted. You know he ends up with Stoke, and Stoke goes up or something. If Stoke's willing to pay us money, you know for him, yeah, then cool. That's that's a known a known known commodity for them. The other one that looks like he's coming back, uh, or maybe coming in the first time uh, due to Brexit and the new uh, visa requirement rolls, is Percy Tau. Uh, often spoke about, rarely seen. Um, plays more of an attacking midfield role and some people are very excited some people are not and I'm struggling to get too excited and I'll tell you why because and you you nailed it for me as to why I'm not that excited we have a lot of Swiss army knives and he feels like another one yeah same and and at some point, Izzy's got to come back too, right? So we're going to have two, presumably, Yep. on the left that get added to add to the Swiss Army knife of the team we have. That just doesn't have the knife. We have every tool except for the damn knife. And what frustrates me is that if we would have spent in the summer, um, if we would have gone and got Callum Wilson, and I know I keep saying it on Twitter, and I know people are getting really, really annoyed with me, but... <laughs> When you have a player of his caliber free available to grab, and it doesn't sound like we even bothered to go after him because his asking price was too high for wages and stuff like that. And Newcastle snapped him up. He scored eight goals for them already this season. And this is a Steve Bruce Newcastle side that are just awful. He's the only reason they are where they are. Callum Wilson scores 10 goals in this team already. And we are sat in the middle of the Premier League table quietly whispering about the idea of going to European football, I truly think. 
I mean, if you had told me at the beginning of the season that we would have been right around Arsenal, I would have been thrilled. Uh, but not like, <laughs> not like, not like this. Uh, not like this at all. Um, yeah, I, there's no doubt that. I mean, I think it's a no-brainer. I, you know what? I, I'll take a step back. I'll play devil's advocate here. Uh, yes, I think if we had a better striker, we obviously would be performing better, right? And they obviously would have more goals than what we have currently. But I'm a Potter in person, uh, listeners and everybody. Well, that's just do we know? Do we do we know if if he knows how to get strikers in a position to score regularly? Because it could be the players. I think we all think it's the players as well. But we've had scoring issues before he got here. You know, I guess since Andone's been gone, but Andone wasn't exactly, you know, a world beater either. Um, we've never ripped off just a ton of goals all the time, it feels like. And maybe I'm just misremembering something, but we should. We see how how the passes come through. So it should be the player's fault, but maybe it's a Potter thing too. I don't know. I would say that he does know how to get someone scoring to an extent. And the reason I say that is because his Swansea team that he had for one year, um, he had uh, Ollie McBurney, right? He signed Ollie McBurney uh, from Barnsley. Uh, who had scored nine goals in 16 games at Barnsley. Uh, and he went on to get Swansea 22 goals in 37 starts under Graham Potter. Oof. And that okay. was in his first year. Um, he masterminded a couple of games, uh, as you've seen on the coach's voice, you know, versus Galatasaray and Arsenal, <laughs> where his goal scoring ability and his striker scoring goals was, was one of the main pieces of that puzzle. Um, so I think, I think at least at other levels, he's clearly able to get strikers scoring goals. Um, so he's got all the paint. He just doesn't have a brush. It feels that way, doesn't yeah. it? If you look back and if you look back and you look at them and you think like, okay, like Chris Hutton, you look back and you think his teams don't score goals. Like he clearly has an issue offensively. Like he's a defensive manager. Um, then I would have it. Yeah. Then that would be something that I think we would have to really take a look at. But it seems that Graham Potter is known for, you know, attractive attack in football where they do score goals and plenty of them. Um, his problem at Swansea was that he conceded too many. That was the only reason, he, you know, they didn't go up that year um, and ended up in mid table because they, they conceded as many goals as they scored, which we've seen in evident, right? Like for the last couple of years, we've been not as defensively solid uh, when he came in. Yeah, I think I think at minimum we're sitting where where Leeds is sitting if we had Colin Wilson or or a striker that could regularly finish. You know, um, the full. I mean, it comes on everybody. I think too because when you do insist on on the wingers being part of the attack, uh, like Liverpool, you know, it's Salah and Mane aren't the top striker typically, right? It's Firmino. Firmino. Um, Firmino, so, yeah. Uh, so, so, like, if you're going to have those, but if it's March and it's Trossard, like, they've got to hit them. They just have to. So, so yeah, I think, I don't know, hopefully Zakiri will add a little bit of something if they'll give him time. Yeah, I think I think if you spend the money on a Callum Wilson, on a possibly even Ollie Watkins, um, 
you know, one of those goal scoring forwards that are, are performing well in the Premier League right now. I think you probably win today. I think you beat Fulham. And I think you also beat West Brom. That's what, six more points? Yeah. Maybe and, 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 and maybe steal one from Liverpool, honestly, yeah. because we because we we really had a couple chances early on against Liverpool to score more and we didn't when we should have. And possibly even get a result against Burnley as well that was nil nil and a ball draw. So I mean that's eight points and we go from twelve to twenty points and we're in tenth level with Wolves. Um and that's the entire crux of it, right? Like we we just aren't scoring goals. We are just not capable of doing so. And and so we've got the next question, which you've already answered, is the Potter in or out? Yeah. Um so here's my controversial take. I am Potter in. But I think you need to sign a striker in the, in the January window and help him. If you are not going to spend money on a striker and you are thinking this is it, you have to do one of two things, in my opinion. If you are not going to sign a striker for Graham Potter in the January window, you either need to fire him and try and bring somebody in to commit miracles that Potter can't, or you need to come out as a board, Bloom, Barber, whoever, Ashworth at the end of the window, or even at the beginning, and put that writing on the wall very much there and then. This is the team we are staying with. This is the manager we are staying with. We accept that our investment is not adequate, and if we go down, that's something we're prepared to do to stay up in the long term, to be sustainable in the long term. I think you have to either pin it all to the wall. Well, you've got to pin it all to the wall either way, right? You either say Potter in and here's why, or you sign a striker. Like you've got it to me. From from an outsider's perspective, um, as someone both new to, to, to Brighton fandom, but also you know, I guess the whole thing really, but it seems like it would be more detrimental to let him go and all that he stands for with his relationship with players and uh, his attempts to develop players and everything that, that, you know, from that, that trickles down from, from kind of the, the board GM manager creed that they're going to follow right we're going to develop within all that other stuff to rip graham potter out because he isn't performing because you haven't provided him something the damage that that could potentially do for anyone in the pipeline and that anyone we brought in you know i don't think veltman would fall apart or anything like that but he obviously was signed to fit a system for potter uh and so even the little money you you have spent is is wasted and that seems point you know imagine them bringing in somebody that that is only going to run four in the back and so lamptey ends up you know missing out because his height or whatever you know there's so many bad variables i think that can happen by letting go of potter see watford um can you imagine being an 18 year old or a 19 year old or a 20 year old in watford's youth system trying to learn a certain way. And for like three times last year, your staff is getting changed around and you're having to change up everything from training to what you're trying to improve. Like that's damaging for uh, a club, not just this team, but the club. 
And not only that, but you're also having people leaving pretty fiery fashion at Watford as well. So you're coming in the next weekend and, you know, the the kitchen man or kitchen lady are dishing up your food for the morning and they're talking to you about the scrap that's been had in the boardroom. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All all the footballers are racing down to the boardroom to get the leftover uh, lasagna that got sat out for some business meeting (laughs) because everything's, you know, so tight. I understand all the complications with COVID. I think we all are are considerate to that situation, right? And I think everyone's been affected. Uh, No team is the exact same. Uh, Bloom has been very giving for the club and been obviously a net positive for the club with the money that he's given and the investment that he's made. I would hate for him to have done all that for us to go down with just the meek, no scoring team and not spend. And even with all the financial consideration part of it, you know, you have fans in the stands now, even if it's just a partial amount. So it's easy to forget just how impactful the COVID thing is going to be for everybody. But like, you got to spend, you got, you got to bring someone in, man. Like the fact that we didn't bring someone in last year, other than Mope, you know, we got lucky with Connolly. And, and that ended up making the difference in, in one or two results. But, like, you've got to have an impact striker you bring in. And, and do you have any ideas of of who you'd want brought in? Maybe this is a question you have later. But Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the last couple of things to bring up was really just the, the two things I wanted to hit on was if we do get a striker, who is it going to be? Have there been any names echoed? And the only one I've seen echoed pretty consistently is uh and i might ruin his name here. it's bulai dia uh he currently plays for uh reams rem ram i don't know what the <laughs> hell their name uh, they're uh-huh. yeah they're french team uh <laughs> they are not a bad side either they're doing pretty well uh in the in the league this year i think they're about what let me see oh no they're doing awful i misread it uh they're uh th- four from bottom are they at least they scoring are. though? Okay, so well, that's uh, not the point. too far from us. <laughs> yes, they're shocking. Uh, they are currently sitting on 14 points in their league. They've scored 21 goals, and Bulaidia has scored nine of them. Okay. Um, he has played 13 games, scored nine goals. The rumor is he was in talks with us at the end of the summer, um, but we kind of ran out of time. Uh, and apparently, talks have been ongoing between now and then um a couple of you know whether they're reliable or not rumor mills have been spread in that um there is no doubt that he adds a different dimension um he's not the tallest player in the world i think he's about 5'11 but he also isn't you know a mopai or a connolly he's he's got a little bit of height to him but he also has a good pedigree right like he's he's scoring goals in the in the french premier league division uh and He's scoring them consistently. Some players can carry it over. Some players can't. But you would think that it just because he's the only name I've heard, he's also 24. So he, he, he suits the, you know, the age range that we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same kind of like the money ball method, right? Like we're looking at players that are lower down in divisions as well. Um, surely it's going to be better to spend that money in January, whatever it is, 20, 30 million on him. Take that gamble. 
than stick with what we've got and risk billions possibly being lost in relegation because we don't know when we'll come back up. What about um, what about the thought of a loan in for a striker? And, and I, I don't have any names in particular, but I'm thinking just off the top of my head here, you know, uh, Harry Kane's not missing. He's not losing his spot anytime soon. Uh, is there someone sitting behind him that could be useful to us? I think the obvious one uh, would be Divock Origi that we talked about in the summer as well. Yeah. He is okay. Liverpool's substitute forward. He's maybe, maybe like a, an Admiral Musquay. <laughs> um, Wasn't he Liverpool what? system too? <laughs> no, he's at Leicester. Oh, Leicester. Um, <laughs> the football manager legend, Admiral Musquay. Um, but Origi has incredible pedigree. He's only made two substitution appearances this season. It, he's 27. He is, you know, 6'1", I think. He's got presence all over the place. Um, it feels like it would be, if we're not going to spend a lot of money, then somebody like him would also be a great move. Um, surely. Like, surely we have to try something. Um, and my last question is that if people want Potter out, who do they want in? The obvious answer that I heard from a lot of people on Twitter that I saw a lot of people after the Fulham game saying they wanted in on Twitter was Big Sam, Sam Allardyce. Boy, he's at West Brom now. So that that idea is gone. So who 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 could they want in? Surely nobody wants Alan Pardew, David Moyes, you know, these like relegation specialists that might save you, but are like toxic and not good. Like surely nobody can want us to become like you just said, another Watford, another West Brom that play turgid football and eventually get relegated and and don't look particularly good in the league below them either. There was, wasn't there, there was a young manager who I think his team is in the championship now, but they came up from League One maybe that was rumored for the Watford position towards the end of the year. I can't remember his name, and I think he's an English guy. Cowley. Okay. So I guess that would probably be the 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 wallet option, maybe. Um, I've seen people also suggest, uh, maybe it's just uh, doing, doing it for banter, but uh, Pochettino. <laughs> <laughs> I've also seen Eddie Howe. Yeah, I don't, want, I don't want Eddie Howe here. My, my thing is, is that if we go for someone like Cowley, he's no different. He's he's basically Potter light. Right. Yeah. You're, you're changing nothing at all. If you go for Eddie Howe, he's going to need some time to get bedded in, and he doesn't have a lot of it. And I think, obviously, it's just conjecture. We don't know, right? Like, we don't know what would happen behind closed doors, but I feel like Eddie Howe would expect us to spend money for him. So why not just spend it for Potter? Yeah, that that's that. That was going to be the argument I made exactly that you pretty pretty much made for me. If it's going to cost you money to get rid of the staff, it's going to cost you money to actually support the the team and what we need, which is you know goal scorers. We need strikers or, or a striker, or maybe you know maybe it's something else. But 
we need to to add to the team. So do you want to spend twice as much because you're also replacing the staff and take the chance that the person you're bringing in isn't going to gel with someone like uh, Basuma or Troussard or Mope or someone that is critical or at least a center point of this team? And we've seen yeah. it, right? Like we've like everybody's saying Eddie Howe, he failed at Burnley. Yeah, they, and I mean, went back to Bournemouth. Like I don't like I don't know if you were following it at that point, but he was at Bournemouth for a long time, and he went to Burnley for maybe a year, um, and then you know promptly left the club and and went back to Bournemouth because he couldn't make it work. So would you really want to risk getting rid of Potter, getting rid of that entire system, getting rid of all of the people in it, bringing in Eddie Howe, who won't be cheap, spending money to help him? And then him bailing because he can't, he's not having a good run. Yeah, it, it, uh, maybe in a normal season, you know, if you had asked me the same question in Newton's last season, I probably would have been like, maybe let's go, let's wait to the end of the season, you know, and, and which we did. But I'm not a huge fan of, of, shit canning a, a manager anyways in the middle of the season it, it for any sport it always it always feels weird and it always has a chance to just completely put you in a tailspin that we're frankly already in we're already in a tailspin and we're still out of the relegation zone for now so that's something you know that's with West Brom having a game in hand and Burnley having two in hand so the good news is you know, next 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 week we have West Ham, and yep. hopefully, and that West Brom has Liverpool, and well, West Brom also have Aston Villa this weekend. They have they're the late game today. Uh, West Brom are at home to Aston Villa this today, so right, hopefully, so let's, so let's go Villa then, and 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 let's have and Burnley also play Wolves tomorrow. So that's their two games. I think they'll do well to get anything from either of those. Like yeah. I can't see Wolves or Villa giving up points there. Yeah, seeing Sheffield United at Everton next Saturday, seeing Fulham Southampton next Saturday makes me feel a little bit better. You know, Burnley and Leeds are going to fight and they're both floating around us so either way, but hopefully Burnley loses. I, I, when does the transfer window open officially, Josh? January the 1st. And then I believe it will close on, let me get my calendar out because it depends where the weekends fall. Um, It will probably close on Monday, the 1st of February uh, because it's the January, the 31st is a Sunday. So I can't imagine that they'll close it on the 29th. Uh, They'll probably go with the 1st of Feb. I could just Google it if I wasn't so lazy, but that would be my guess um, that we will be closing on the, on the 1st and opening it on that first Friday. Yeah. I feel like you got to spend and, and, you know, the, the downside really is, you know, we got eliminated from that cup so early on that would have given us more time to potentially seize Zakiri and what we've got in him too. I think that hurts us, frankly, that we, I, I don't need a deep cup, cup run. I want us to focus on the premier league. because That's the most important thing, obviously, but like they're valuable for situations like this, when you have Zakiri, that you want to get involved, but he's literally just getting thrown onto the back end of a, an ugly matchup against Sheffield. So he's not able to show anything, 
you know, he was, he was not impressive today. And is that him being not impressive? Was that Sheffield being good defensively? Was that a situation where there's more wingers on the field than there are any other position? And where do you find your spot? You know, maybe it's all of it, but, but it's a shame that we even have to spend because by now we would have probably figured out if Sakiri had, had the goods to at least get a shot at a running yeah. striker. And I think with the FA Cup coming up with Newport, I think you'll probably see Zakiri play. Um, I hope so. Was it the care about that we got eliminated in? It, yeah. Isn't it? I, as, yeah. As an, sorry, uh, Brighton fans. As an American, these cups are very hard to follow a lot because <laughs> there's so many different names. And they're not particularly well televised over here either, which is a pain yeah. in the ass. Yeah, dodgy streams and that. Um, so before now, before the new year, we've got West Ham away. Uh, and then Arsenal and Wolves at home. Wolves is on my birthday. Uh, and then you've basically got a two-week break between the Wolverhampton game before you then get to Man City and Leeds back-to-back. Um, to me, if we're, if we're serious and we want to get shit done, I think we need to sign that striker in that first week. I think he needs to come through the door that first week. I think he needs to settle in. I think he needs to bed in. And I think he needs to be ready to play in time for Leeds away on January 16th. Agreed. Yeah, earlier the better. He has to be. Um, If we sign him on the 31st, uh, we'll also be playing Tottenham at home that day. Uh, We would be left in a situation where, you know, the odds of him being fit and ready or like, well, he'll be fit, but like bedded into the system and ready to make an impact. You know, we're going to have a third of the season to go at most. And we're, we're already kind of like either in big trouble or, and that pressure is on and that mentality is not so good or we've rescued ourselves and we're wondering like, ugh, you know what I mean? Like we've spent money on someone and now we're doing nothing with it. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've got a question for you. Um, Cause you're probably more tapped into that scene. You're obviously going to be more tapped into that scene, but with the coronavirus situation really not letting up despite the, the vaccinations going out. And I believe it was yesterday that Boris talked about the new strain that's been going around London, uh, or maybe it was some county I've never heard of. Yeah. yeah it had like the 70% more uh, you know, or spreadability or whatever the, the word is for it. Yeah. Are there any rumors of, of the Premier League, from what you know, potentially needing to to go underground for a month or two, like they had to do last season? No, nothing. Um, I don't think it will happen either. Uh, unless it gets really bad, I I don't think that we're going to see that happen. Yeah. I hope not. Or I hope, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I hope it doesn't get bad enough for that to happen. <laughs> right. Obviously. Uh, but we did have a pretty nice stretch down the end when we were on the restart. Um yeah, it would. Uh, hopefully, we sign him sooner than later too. Because if you're not going to get your first option, you have weeks to complete the deal at least. You know, versus trying to come in on the 21st and getting shut down, and then missing out, and then missing out again, and then your fourth option already signed in the first week. It feels, it feels like they need to be very proactive. Yeah, I think yeah. Including securing loans out like Connolly potentially. Yeah, if we're yeah, if we're getting rid of someone and we are getting those loans out, I think that, you know, the sooner the better as well, because they need 
they need to get work done. I don't know if Percy Tao ever plays a minute in, in a Brighton uniform. Um, he feels like a, the Baba Yaga of this team. As long as I've supported them now, I've never, like, I've never, you just never see him. It just feels like a myth, like a legend. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it just, uh, it feels, I hope he does because I'd love to see him. But uh, man, what an expectation to live up to because it's all like, I feel even Kieran on the Price of Football podcast, he's, he's name dropped Percy Tao maybe four times this season, just talking about, you know, different COVID or, or Brexit visa deals. Yeah, it's not saying it. Um, I think that I don't think he's going to make as much of a difference as we want him to. Well, you know, um, it's, it's, you have a gun that you have a gun that has one bullet in it laying around somewhere. You just don't know if it's going to be a shotgun, if it's going to be like a little water, like a pistol, like a little type. We just don't know what it is yet. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. Absolutely nuts. Um, I think that's about it. We've got Christmas coming up. So everybody who's listening, enjoy the holiday. Um, and we'll be back for, you know, what the 27th, I think we play. Um, and we will, We'll be unpacking that mess, uh, whatever that looks like. Um, and all we can do now is put on a brave face and hope that West Brom uh, and Burnley get done over by Villa and Wolves, respectively, um, and and just look ahead to enjoying Christmas. Um, hopefully, Tony doesn't pull the trigger on Graham Potter, per my and, and your opinion, my. Um, and hopefully, he does pull a trigger on on a quality striker that can score goals as soon as possible in the new year. Um, if you can get it for my birthday, that would be wonderful. Uh, but the sooner the better. Hell, if you can get it as a New Year's Day present for everybody else, that would be and, nice. And, you know, I do feel better after seeing uh, Sheffield United in person because I haven't watched, I think, a single match of theirs this season. Uh, I firmly believe they're going to – there's no way they're not going to get relegated. Oh, no, they're point. done. Uh, <laughs> Ful- Fulham, though, Fulham uh, – I-, I watched their Newcastle match too, um, and much – I don't feel nearly as confident saying that. They look at least as good as, as we do at this point. Um, so that might be the, the team we're fighting with tooth and nail this whole way through. Yeah. Yeah, I think it might be. And then also, you got to remember, um, uh, Big Sam is at West Brom, so they are going to start picking up points, um, which then puts them into a dangerous spot as well. God, I so. hope Arsenal stays with this at least. Yeah, I mean, we have Arsenal, don't we, in, what, the 29th, I think, um, which could be a massive, you know, game for us uh, because we have them Tuesday, the 29th of December, two games, two days after West Ham um, at home. And honestly, it's bizarre to me that I'm sat here thinking that I think we're more likely to get points from Arsenal than West Ham, but I truly believe that this year. Yeah, it'd be nice to be the reason that uh, Arteta gets fired. It really I'll, would. I'll, I'll gladly, I'll gladly play that role every different time. <laughs> All right, perfect. Well, that's it. I'm going to wrap here. Um, Merry Christmas, and, everyone. Yeah, Merry Christmas, people. Be safe. Stay in your tiers, whatever tier. Eight, seven, six, four, three. Bubbles, coronavirus, vaccines, hospitalizations, bad things, pandemics. Enjoy it, uh, and we will be back. So, thanks a lot, everybody. Be safe. <laughs>